Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Calvary, nothing personal, word of the day. It's Tuesday, eight times two equals 22. It's eight, 16, 22, and the word of the day is Calvary. Tiger Woods is his own Calvary. It doesn't happen. You have to be a superstar to be an individual who's considered the Calvary. When you have an all hands on deck meeting, because there's something going on in your organization or there is an issue that must be dealt with and it must be dealt with at all levels. You start at the top level and you meet with the owner and you sort of figure out exactly what needs to be said and then you figure out who needs to say it. You need to find somebody to be the messenger. Sometimes you have an owner call a meeting and talk to the employees or the players. Sometimes you have the owner and the president get together and then the president talks. Sometimes the owner, president, and GM get together and say the manager should do it. Sometimes you say it should be a certain player. And then first you meet as a front office. Then you go to a player and say, we need you to do this. What's your view? Here's what we need to have said. Here's the issue. Sometimes when you need the Calvary, you get a group of people. That's how Major League Baseball Commissioner's Office would do it. They would send a bunch of executives, a bunch of their deputy commissioners or heads of marketing, whatever it would be, if they really needed to convince people of something. It's like a herd mentality for whatever reason. If you have an all-hands-on-deck meeting and you see like all of the important people there, then you say, wow, this matters. So if the commissioner comes and all of his assistants and the people who run the different departments, or if your employees go to a meeting and see that, wow, the owner's there, the CEO's there, the president's there, you can judge the importance of a meeting. So Jay Monahan got together with Tiger Woods, Jay Monahan's the commissioner of the PGA Tour, and said, hey, Tiger, we got a small problem here with Live Golf. We need to have an all-hands-on-deck meeting. I'm pretty sure if you had all hands on deck on the bingo card as being said three times in the first two minutes of a show, you would be a winner. I would not have expected that. I don't even know why that expression's in my mind, to tell you the truth, on a random Tuesday morning before the clock strikes seven. So Jay Monahan says, all right, Tiger, here's the object of the meeting. Live Golf has started this tour. 
They are paying players an exorbitant fee that is not commensurate with their skill level. They are guaranteeing money in ways that this tour cannot. We cannot compete with this Saudi-backed tour financially. We've got to try a different approach. We've got the courts behind us because the players on live tried to get a temporary restraining order to play in tournaments so they can be included in the FedEx Cup. Denied. So we've got some help in the courts, but where we don't have help really is with money. So the best chance we have is for you, Tiger, to appeal to all of the players and say, this is the moment. This is when we decide whether we are backing the PGA Tour or turning our back on the very tour that made us who we are today. And we're going to talk to the top players because if we lose another top player, including the possibility of the number two player in the world moving over to live, there is a risk. It's not a guarantee, Tiger, but there is a risk that the exact way of golf is going to disappear. I'm not here to tell you is running nothing personal. Me and Coke are not going to opine at the moment, at least, our view of Live versus PGA. I think it is clear that when people join Live, they are joining for the money, for the guaranteed money, for the, you don't need to be in a competition. You don't need to be competitive. You don't need to go get marketing deals. You know very well that you are doing your job and getting paid by the employer who can pay you the most. That seems logical to me. We can talk about dirty money. We can talk about laundry money. We can talk about sports washing money. All of those topics are reasonable to discuss, but the PGA is trying something different. So in this meeting, Tiger Woods is going to fly and meet with the top 20 players, most of the top 20 players, those who aren't already in live. And I want to tell you what that meeting is going to be like because it's going to be fascinating. Basically, what Tiger is going to try to do as his own cavalry is try to recruit these players who remain on the PGA Tour and get the PGA Tour to vote. In my opinion, this is where I think it's going to head. They're going to try to get all the players together and vote on certain penalties and sanctions like bad playground politics in elementary school. They're going to try to be the cool click and they're going to look at the nerdy click and say, hey, not only are we not playing with you, but we're not even letting you on the playground. And on top of that, we're going to steal your lunch. And then we're going to beat the crap out of you. Now, Tiger Woods doesn't want to have to do that to the people on the PGA Tour. He wants all the PGA Tour people to join forces with him to form the Calvary to do that to the live golf people. All right. That's one approach. I've got another slightly different approach. When I get Tiger Woods talking, I need Tiger Woods to talk about something, not the love of the game. I don't need a Kevin Costner speech. I don't need a motivational speech like Chris Farley. I don't need to talk about a man living by the van, down by the sea, down by the river. I don't need any of that. I want to hear very clearly from Tiger Woods how I'm going to make more money on the PGA Tour than on the Live Tour. I want to hear from Tiger Woods how that if I play in the major championships, they're still going to be major and the purses are going to be higher and I'm going to get guaranteed week-to-week -week money, event-event money. 
I want to hear from Tiger Woods that they're changing the PGA calendar. I want to hear from Tiger Woods that Jay Monahan is going to bend over backwards to make sure that he can match live. How am I going to hear that? Hmm. Interesting. I can't. This is the craziest part about this competitive league that we've never seen with any of the competitive leagues who have tried to start up with basketball or football or hockey or anything else. Live is the best funded and the most funded competitive league. This is not Dwayne Rock Johnson starting the XFL knowing he's not competing with the NFL. This is not Vince McMahon going bankrupt because he played, he paid Oliver Luck too much money. This is an actual funded business is what live is we're focused on the fact that the saudi arabians and their their sovereign fund has funded live and we're all high and mighty even though we do so much business with saudi arabia as a country that i think it would knock your socks off but all of that said the money's the money just because tiger woods turned down almost a billion dollars to join live he's not in the same position as anybody in the top 20 from a historic standpoint from a career earning standpoint from a marketing standpoint a sponsorship standpoint so if you see tiger woods in front of you and this is something that we were very careful about in baseball hear me out when you set up a meeting with players and you're talking about something union related or compensation related or rules related and you bring up only a player or two players who make 10 to 20 to $30 million a year, and you're asking that player to communicate with rookies, guys who have not made it to arbitration, guys who are making hundreds of thousands and don't know whether they'll ever get to free agency, whether they will ever get to arbitration, the odds are against it. It's like Bill Gates coming to your school and saying, listen, just do what I did, work hard, and you will be where I am today. And you look right up at Bill Gates and say, horse hockey, I will never be where you are. How can that be the plan? It would be like Michael Jordan coming to your junior varsity team in high school and saying, what do you mean you can't take off from the free throw line and dunk the ball? Of course you can. And you look at him and say, okay, ears closed. So instead of just the 10, 20, $30 million man, you have a minimum player as part of the leadership of your team. You have one of the young players who's talking about and advocating for that which you need him to advocate and you need the players to advocate. Relatability is the word for it. When you are being instructed or led, relatability is critical. You recognize that you are listening to a leader. You recognize that you're a follower, but you can relate enough to the leader and the leader's plight and the leader's message that you are willing to follow, not blindly, but purposefully. That is how to make friends and influence people. So Tiger Woods, while he is a good mouthpiece for the PGA Tour, look what it did for me. They're going to need a lot more than just Tiger standing up there in his TW red shirt, assuming they do this on the Sunday of a tournament, or if it's on a Wednesday of a tournament, maybe he wears a blue shirt or a white shirt. I think he should not put his Rolex watch on or whatever watch sponsor he has. And he's got to have a plan with Jay Monahan about how they're going to guarantee more money. Jay Monahan's going to meet with the same group. And to me, what we need to watch for 
Could this be the first time in history, the first time that a competitive league starts and shuts down the original league? There is a scenario where the PGA Tour disappears, where Live becomes the majors. You win a Live tournament, it's considered a major championship. Tiger Woods appealing to players about what it's like to wear the green jacket. All right, that's great. That's like LeBron James. That's like Bill Russell appealing to players what it's like to win a title. Yeah, I've won 11 titles. It feels really good. Yeah, I've not won any titles. I need a pension. Yeah, I've not won any titles. I've got tuition for my kids. Yeah, I've not won any titles. I need to figure out caddies. And you could say that, David, the top 20 players in the world don't have those issues, but the PGA Tour is not going to survive simply with the top 20 players in the world. They have to find a way to survive with all of the top players. So that's what I want you to watch for. Whether or not the cavalry led by Tiger actually does anything. When Coca talked to me about this topic, he asked me to think about it and I did. And then he said, do you see any similarity between the baseball collective bargaining agreement? Can we tie this to baseball a little bit? And then he said, can you at least consider whether Max Scherzer is like Tiger Woods? When Max Scherzer, remember him during the collective bargaining agreement? Maybe you don't remember. There was a lockout just a few months ago. It's only August, Coca. When was the lockout? It was in March, wasn't it? It finished in March, April, May, June, July, August. Five months ago. That's it. Nobody talks about it. Nobody remembers it. Came up yesterday with the postseason schedule. So Max Scherzer was the spokesperson. He was on the executive council. Do you have any recollection of how the player vote went when the lockout ended? Do you remember there were 30 player reps? And do you remember there were eight members of the executive council, let's say, so 38 votes total to pass the collective bargaining agreement? And do you remember that not one member of the executive council, not one of the Tiger Woods type players on the executive council voted for the CBA and the player reps for the other teams did? Do you see where I'm headed here? Sometimes you have to have the right spokesperson. Max wasn't it. I'm not sure Tiger's it, but we'll see what happens. Should be interesting. We had more news on the Fernando Tatis front. I told you yesterday, Coco, was it on this show or on a different show I did where I talked about Fernando Tatis Sr. and the likelihood that Fernando Tatis Sr. knew exactly what Fernando Tatis Jr. was doing? Was that on this show? Where we had Tatis, it was on this show. Thank God, because that's good information. Well, Fernando Tatis Sr. was not going to take the suspension of Fernando Tatis Jr. lying down. He's got a reputation to protect, the family reputation. Someone corrected me, thank you. When Fernando Tatis Sr. hit the two grand slams, it was off Chan Ho Park, but Chan Ho Park was a Dodger, not a Ranger at the time he gave up the two grand slams in the same inning. Thank you. I love when people pay attention more than Coca. It makes me happy. And then Coca gets pissed. How would I know it's the Dodgers, not the Rangers? I can't look up 40 things at once. We'll do our post-show briefing, and he'll lose his mind and then hang up and post the show. So Fernando Tatis Sr. felt he wanted to enter into the conversation 
with an explanation and a quote. Fernando Tatis Sr. said, listen, this is absolute ridiculousness. Why is this even a big deal? You are hurting millions of fans, not just in the Dominican, but around the world who are going to turn off baseball because they don't want to watch a sport that would punish someone for doing something so innocuous. It was a spray that he used. And this spray, who knew what it had? And this spray was for after a haircut with a ringworm. And he doubled down on the preposterous excuse. No chance that he could ever know that there'd be cabest ball and cabas ball or some, whatever the steroid was, which name I forget because I don't do steroids. Someone on Twitter responded by showing a picture of the package where it says right in big letters on the top of the package, this has cabest ball. So Tatis Sr. is useless in terms of trying to rehabilitate Tatis Jr. The Padres can't score a run. But that's not the question that you had for me today. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson from the movie Half-Baked. If you're new to nothing personal and you're not Half-Baked and you're not watching Half-Baked, then what are you doing? Hit pause. But then you got to finish the show because we need full retention after you rate, review, and follow. Go watch Half-Baked, look for the character Samson, and then smile because you're on candid camera. Hello, David. These are questions that come to me on Twitter at David P. Samson. Hope all's well. Doesn't suck right now, I'll tell you that. Before Tatis Jr. was caught, he was on the DL due to non-baseball-related injury. Do you remember the Mets were successful with getting the salary of Cespedes reduced when he had a non-related baseball injury? Is there a reason why the Padres did not go that route in the beginning? Unless the Mets had the specific words in the Cespedes contract, wasn't it worth a try by the Padres? The worst that could have happened is where they are today. Thanks, and have a great day. Love that question. When baseball calls and tells you that they're going to suspend Fernando Tatis for 80 days for testing positive for steroids. The first question you ask before the Dan Hallam can even get it out of his mouth, did he appeal? Yes, he appealed. That's why he didn't know, but he's dropped the appeal. There was no hearing. There was no ruling. He agreed to serve. What did he take? He goes through what he takes. How do you take that? Is it a spray? Is it a needle? What do you know about this? Are you sure it's him? Once you go through all that, the next question is, what do we do here in terms of his guaranteed contract? Guess what? The commissioner's office has already looked at that because the commissioner's office has a copy of every contract of every player. What you are referring to in this question is the guaranteed language. So there's something called the uniform player contract, a UPC. Every player in the big leagues signs the same UPC. It's got all the legal mumbo jumbo. I sound like Nicolas Cage. This legal mumbo jumbo. <laughs> I don't know which movie because it may be all the movies he does that. Could be Honeymoon in Vegas. I don't know why I'm thinking that. And uh, I was thinking about Nicolas Cage. I want to just give you insight into my brain. I was thinking about, side note, sorry, Coca. I'm going to watch Elvis today. And when I think of Elvis, the new movie with Tom Hanks and Austin Barnes, 
somebody who plays Elvis, who apparently is very good. And uh, my favorite Elvis of all time is Nicolas Cage in Honeymoon in Vegas when he dresses up at Elvis and goes skydiving. And then he meets Sarah Jessica Parker. Anyway, watch Honeymoon in Vegas. The Family Man, you know, is my favorite Nicolas Cage movie, but that's not when he played Elvis. That it was Honeymoon in Vegas. Oh, that mumbo jumbo is the family man. Yes, Coca. Why do you know that? I can totally picture it. I love that movie with Tia Leone and Jeremy um, Piven. I've watched that so many times. The end when it turns out that it was a dream and Don Cheadle, but they meet at the airport and they just start talking. And then a song by Seal plays. Can we take a minute? Like I could. I could get emotional now. I, I love that so much. Okay. Walker Bueller's out for the season, but that's not where I was. What were we doing? Oh, so the contract, uniform player contract has the legal mumbo jumbo. But after that, there's an addendum. The addendum to the contract, always read the addendums, is the guarantee language. What guarantee language is, is under what circumstances does a player not get paid? Because when you have a guaranteed contract, it means that you get paid for that number of years, the term of the contract, the amount of the contract, and that is the default position. However, there are going to be certain things that if you do, they will void the contract. And there you argue over this with the agent and with the player when you're negotiating. The guaranteed language is what gets sent back and forth. You want to put in, you have to act in the best interests of the team. And the players say, well, I don't like that because how do I know what you think the best interests of the team are? If I say one thing, like I don't think that this guy should be playing or I don't think that we should have this giveaway, you could argue that's not in the best interest of the team and try to make my salary not guaranteed. What about prohibited activities? Well, you have to know the player. You've heard me tell you that we had D. Gordon couldn't play basketball. We forgot to put in that he couldn't put a needle in his tuchus. Cespedes had a clause because everyone knew on the Mets, because this is Cespedes, the first time I met him when we were trying to sign him as an international player, I don't know if I ever told you the story, Coca, about the lunch that we had in, in Miami. We First, we went to see him in either the Dominican I don't know where we went to see him. We went to see him do a workout, and it was somewhere. It was not Cuba. Do you hear that, President Biden? It was not Cuba. I meant Commissioner Manford. I promise. So we saw him work out, and he looked electric in the workout, but you don't know him very well. And then we had a meal with him. And in the meal, he was talking about sort of the things that he does. And it reminded me a little bit of Brian Brown's character in Along Came Polly, right? The CEO is trying to get insurance. And the problem with him getting insurance is he likes to do all these crazy activities. So Cespedes had this farm and had this desire to do things like ATVs and things like that, that were viewed as, hey, we're going to prohibit that. When Cespedes got hurt, he was engaged in the exact activity as written in the guaranteed language that would void the entire contract. The Mets said to him, we are going to void this contract. They dealt with the union, they dealt with the commissioner's office, and they came to a settlement. 
The Padres have 13 years of a contract left. They've got $340 million invested in this player. They are not, after one 80-game suspension, going to release him, let him go, let him go through free agency. They're concerned the way contracts are going that Soto could get 450 or 500 million, and those numbers just keep going up. So the reality is that when you've got a player signed, you make the decision, is that player worth that contract? And the Padres believe that it was. So what interests me is that, of course, the Padres could have fought this, but they didn't have the motorcycle language, which many guaranteed contracts have. They mention a motorcycle as a prohibited form of transportation. Coco, why are you yelling at me about Cespedes? I understand exactly that he stepped in a hole on his farm. He fractured his ankle by stepping in a hole. Remember all the holes he was like pig hunting or chasing pigs? Yeah, I, w I got that. Okay. No, I think everyone will understand it, Matt. Do you want to keep that in the show? Right. Okay. So, Matt, okay, ready? Cut, cut it in right now. Four, six, sixty-nine. So Cespedes had some injuries with his feet, with his heels, and he was on his farm. He stepped in a hole, fractured his ankle. Do you remember that? And there was a clause in his contract about what he could do in order to protect his heels, but there was also stuff in there about what he could do on his farm. I'm not sure that clarified anything, but I love that we gave people that information. It's pretty good. All right, let's get back to the question. So the Mets did have specific words in the Cespedes contract. The Padres didn't. And even if the Padres did, they don't want to void Tatis' contract because it's a financial decision. Because by voiding it, that gives him another opportunity to sign either A, with someone else, or B, you re-sign him for more. They have no guarantee of getting Juan Soto. They know they've got Machado and Tatis, and that was the original deal. They wanted Soto to come in for the next two years to win a World Series before he goes somewhere else because there, it is almost impossible to believe that the Padres can be the highest bidder for Soto. So as a result, you have the situation where the team says, we're just going to swallow hard, play without Tatis for 80 games, and move on. And 10 years from now, who's going to remember? I don't think I agree with that. But that's the answer to your question. All right, when we come back, I'm going to do a shout-out to our friend, friend of the show, Tim Matheson, who is, as you know, not just a friend, and that's not a flex. He, we did a Samson sit-down with him. We're going to review what he told me and asked me to watch, and I've been watching every season. It's called Virgin River on Netflix. Season four dropped. I watched the whole season. Tim Stay with me after the break. We're going to review it. And then we're going to talk about Walker Ferris Bueller and what it means for the National League that he is out for the year. We'll be right back. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals. And the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. 
From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David Sampson. We watch a movie every day. We watch a series every day. I'm going to flex my relationship with Tim Matheson because he's so nice and so such a good actor. But I get inside info. I can trade on it. I can make money on it. I'm just kidding. It's not really inside info. But we'll be texting. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, fine. I'm in Vancouver. Oh, you're filming another season of Virgin River. Yeah. Shh. All right. Shh. When Virgin River first started a couple years ago, who knew that it would become one of the most popular shows ever on Netflix? with uh, the wife from This Is Us, Alexandra Breckenridge, the guy from Martin Henderson, who was in that great Bollywood movie, Bride and Prejudice. I bet that not more than 10 people listening to this show out of the tens of thousands who listen every day, more, more people than go to a Marlins game to watch The Greatest Pitcher in the National League right now. Bride and Prejudice. Asha Rande Rai, I'm pronouncing her name wrong, and Martin Henderson. I love the music, I love the movie, it's outstanding. Anyway, he stars in Virgin River. It takes place in this make-believe place that's so beautiful, and there's all this crazy drama. It's like a soap opera, if you will. And Tim Matheson plays a family doctor like Doc Hollywood. And there's no Julia Warner in this show. And certainly there's no Julia Warner nudity in this show. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Doc Hollywood. Watch the first 20 minutes of the movie and get back to me. Actually, watch the whole movie. That's how good it is. Bridget Fonda, Woody Harrelson. Coke, have you ever seen Doc Hollywood? Have you ever heard of Doc Hollywood? This will be very sad if you have not. It's really one of the best. Here he goes. He's, you have not. Amazing. Freaks me out. Okay, folks, go watch Doc Hollywood. Michael J. Fox, Julie Warner, David Ogden Steers, who's Major Charles Emerson Winchester from MASH, plays the mayor of the town. Then you've got Woody Harrelson and Bridget Fonda. And it's about a city doctor who gets caught in a traffic accident in the middle of but you know what, America. And the judge says, you've got to be the town doctor for two weeks. And he's a city guy. And he's trying to be a plastic surgeon in LA under George Hamilton, by the way. And of course, Michael J. Fox sees Julie Warner and starts to fall in love. It's called Doc Hollywood. All right, back to Virgin River. So Tim Matheson plays a Doc Hollywood-like character. And he's got to deal with all sorts of issues going on in the town. He has an assistant doctor this season. He has another doctor come in. There could be some sort of love triangle with 
Breckenridge, the female lead with Martin Henderson. All sorts of things could happen. Annette O'Toole from 48 Hours. If you haven't seen 48 Hours, Coca, 48 Hours with Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. My God. Annette O'Toole is a younger woman. She's still phenomenal in Virgin River. When you have a series with writers, directors, and actors who don't view their work as syrupy, who don't view their work as Shakespeare, but they take seriously the fact that they are here to simply entertain you. It is light, it is fluffy, it is in a lot of ways suspenseful, interesting, relatable, and you have perfect scenery. If you can put all those things in the blender, do you know what you get? Season five. I promised I wouldn't tell anyone. I'm not even sure it's been announced. I'm not even sure it's happening. Tim, I didn't say a word. You never told me about season five. I have no idea. I can only tell you that season four was the best season of the four Virgin River seasons. Walker Ferris Bueller is out for the year. He hasn't pitched since June 10th. You may have forgotten about him. He and Clayton Kershaw are the top two pitchers for the Dodgers, even though I told you Clayton Kershaw was really a back of the rotation pitcher today. Tyler Anderson, a 32-year-old, what I would call journeyman, is pitching like a Cy Young candidate. Julio Urias is their best pitcher. Tony Gonsolin, you don't want to face him. Andrew Heaney, yeah, the guy that we drafted and traded. Who did we trade Andrew Heaney for, Coca? I believe we traded him to the Dodgers, and then they traded him to the Angels to get Howie Kendrick. And we traded him to the Dodgers in the D. Gordon trade with Dan Heron. That's my recollection, but it could have been a different trade. But it doesn't matter. So this Dodgers rotation is of a team with the best record in baseball. Without Walker Bueller. He's been out for two months and the Dodgers are on a tear. Yes, it was. It was the D. Gordon trade. Oh, we got Miguel Rojas too in that trade. And we had to trade him. Side note. The D. Gordon trade, I don't know if I ever told you the story. Austin Barnes was not in that trade, and neither was Chris Hatcher. It was just going to be that we were going to get D. Gordon, and we were going to get Dan Heron and Miguel Rojas, and we were giving them Andrew Heaney and, uh, um, and Kiki Hernandez. And they asked for Barnes and Hatcher. And Barnes was a minor league catcher, and our baseball people said, do not trade Austin Barnes. Chris Hatcher was a pitcher who had some big league time. We had some issues with him off the field, but a great guy, but just some issues with the teammates, et cetera. And we said, well, we can put in Hatcher, but you're gonna, it's a valuable bullpen arm. You don't just throw it in. But we got overruled by our owner, and we overruled the baseball people to say, we're not going to hold up getting a frontline starter like Dan Heron paid for. The Dodgers paid all 11 million of Dan Heron's salary. And then if you pay the salary of a player, that means you get to ask for more. And so it gets announced as we got D. Gordon, Dan Heron, Miguel Rojas and cash. But it was not a little amount of cash. It paid the entire salary of Dan Heron. And we thought he'd be good for us, but he was over the hill and done and not good for us in any particular way. Interesting, good guy, but did not help our team. But suffice it to say, Austin Barnes is still catching in the big leagues with the Dodgers, with the World Series ring. Word of advice to GMs out there, try to convince your owners and your presidents when minor league players are being thrown in, hey, 
Do you guys mind? We're just going to throw in Dontrell Willis. Yeah, throw him in. We've never heard of him. That's how it works. Some of the greatest gems in any trade happen when GMs take advantage of owners. Anyway, so let's get back to the Dodgers. Is it a big deal when a player who's been out since June has surgery and then is going to miss the rest of the year? It is in the Dodgers case because the Dodgers expected Bueller to be back for the postseason. Having Bueller not in your postseason rotation, having the possibility of Kershaw not in your postseason rotation, counting on having Anderson, Urias, Gonsolin, and Heaney as your four starters, you're not going to win. Major League Baseball announced its playoff schedule, and because of the lockout, there are way fewer off days during the playoffs. They are playing consecutive games as an example in the division series, which is a three out of five. You generally play two games in one stadium, take a day off, play two games in the, the, the other stadium, take a day off, and if you need a deciding game five, you go back to the team who has home field advantage. You get the travel day. Baseball has eliminated that travel day. You now will play games three, four, five, back to back to back. In the LCS, you're going to play games back to back to back to back. They're not having a travel day between games five and six. What this means is that if you do not have a deep starting rotation, you are screwed. There are years, including last year, where you can have openers. We had an openers in the World Series, but you could have openers. You could find a way to bring guys back one guy back on three days rest, which is called short rest in Major League Baseball. But you can't bring an entire rotation back on short rest. You have to have four starters. Which means Anderson, Urias, Gonsolin, and Heaney are going to be your starters and they're all going to have to start in a series. You want those starters against DeGrom and Scherzer and Walker and Carrasco? Who would you rather have? Why don't you check out the Brave starters who would you rather have? This is a major loss for the Dodgers, and they're totally downplaying it, and I understand why. But this is going to cost them the pennant. Losing Bueller and the new postseason schedule are going to combine. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. If it doesn't, we'll revisit it, I promise. But if it does, we'll revisit it. I promise. The Dodgers do not win the NL pennant. Wait to see. The Dodgers could certainly use Sandy Alcantara. Remember we told you to watch the Padre game last night, Marlins? You could have been one of 9,000 people at or watching the game, missing the surefire Cy Young Award winner, throw a shutout, and the offense for the Marlins, again, score three runs or fewer for the 16th straight game. Folks, history is being made. We are three games away from the all-time record. Nobody's gone 20 games in a row. The record is by Cleveland, 19 in a row. The Marlins tried to improve their offense this offseason, didn't work, but boy, did they have a good pitcher. We are 85 and 67. I think we're a season high, 18 games over 500 right now in our pick of the day. I'm gonna do a double pick today because there's a game you have to watch I, it doesn't matter what you're doing tonight. Have it on in the background. You have Justin Verlander against Dylan Cease of the White Sox. Really two of the best pitchers in the American League going at each other. Verlander, who is 69 years old, is pitching better 
than anybody. Probably is the Cy Young Award winner in the American League, which is staggering. I'm not sure anyone would have chosen that. The White Sox came back to beat the Astros last night 4-2 to with Johnny Alcueto, and they are doing well, but don't bet against Verlander. We're taking Verlander over the White Sox. Okay, the second pick. I went on CBS Sports HQ and did picks last night for a half hour. 11 picks, I went 9-2. and two. The two I lost were all because of one team that I got wrong, the Toronto Blue Jays. I thought for once Kikuchi could help his team get a win, and I was dead wrong. What a huge disappointment. The Blue Jays are making me crazy. How do you not take the Orioles seriously? The Orioles, what is it, Coca? Let's get there. I'm doing this live right now. I want to know the standings. I got to put my glasses on. Stay with me while I put my glasses on. If you're on YouTube, nothing personal with David Sampson, you can see that I have my glasses on. Toronto is one and a half games up on the Orioles. That's it. <laughs> can you believe that? Toronto, two in the loss column. Are you ready to take the Orioles seriously yet or not? It's almost late August. They'll win tonight. I'm taking the Jays over the Orioles, and I'm taking Verlander and the Astros over the White Sox. Could the last manager of a crappy team that the front office tried to convince you was going to be good because of any off-season pickups? Who gets fired? Please turn the lights off. God, that, that was bumbling and stumbling. Okay, 269. Could the last manager of a crappy team who gets fired please turn the lights off? I can go into more detail now because that was a little more smooth. Chris Woodward got fired by the Texas Rangers on August 15th. August 15th. What exactly is that for? When you fire a manager like the Phillies fired Girardi, like the Marlins fired all their managers, like the Angels fired Joe Madden, you are hoping that it sparks something the way it has with the Phillies, the way it did with the Marlins in 03, the way it didn't with every other time. You're hoping you still got a shot early enough. The Texas Rangers, who spent $580 million in the offseason, did not build enough pitching, tried to buy their way. And I feel for them because they had a new ballpark that opened during COVID that opened without fans. They tried to do another opening. There were all these free agents who were shortstops, remember? And they got two of them, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. They overpaid for both. It was total insanity. But during the offseason, John Daniels stood up and said, I have beaten A.J. Preller. We have won the offseason. They stink. They were always going to stink. They're like 20 games behind the Astros in the American League West. Now, they're 6-24 and 24 in one-run games. And so, of course, what you do when you are the president of baseball operations, John Daniels, you say, God, I haven't been to the World Series in 10 years. This rebuild really stunk. We had to spend all this money, and we still stink. I really don't want to get fired. I got to say it's the manager. It's Chris Woodward. He's been here three years. He's only won 211 games. He's lost 287 or 67 or whatever he has. Let's start with a new manager, a new voice. But why now? Let him finish the rest of the season and hire someone during the offseason. Because you say you want to give this 
real chance, your third base coach who's earned this chance. John Daniels quote was amazing. He's earned this. He's the right guy. He's the right guy now when you're 23 games back, but he wasn't the right guy to start the season because you gave Chris Woodward an extension through next season. It's my favorite thing that we used to announce to the public. We just lie through our teeth when we do an extension. This is the leader who we want. This is the voice. And then two months later, we need a new voice. All they're doing is wasting the owner's money because they have to pay Woodward another year. We always did that. We wanted to extend a manager past the current year to eliminate the distraction, to eliminate the lame duck. I like that. We don't want lame duck managers. But then we fire the managers and have to pay them out of their contract. I think in my 18 years, Coca, there was not a year, and I believe I'm right about this, I do not believe we ever had one year out of 18 where we were paying only one manager. Somebody can go check that. First year we're paying a Lou, but then we fire him and bring in Torborg. Oh, we may not have fired Torborg till uh, a Lou until 01. And that means in 00, we actually only had one manager who we were paying. I'd have to check when we fired Philippe Lou. That'd be my first firing. But then we had Torborg in 02 and we were still paying a Lou. We had McKeon in 03 and we were still playing Torborg. I think if you go down the list, that's amazing. So the Texas Rangers are gonna do that. They're gonna pay Woodward and they're gonna pay their new manager. Here's what they can avoid. How many times do we have to tell teams that when you throw money after a problem, I did it, I know it. When you throw money after a problem, you're not ready to win, but you sign free agents thinking that that will take you to the next step. It's not going to work. The Texas Rangers have never been willing to do what the Houston Astros did. They've never been willing to lose 103 years in a row and then let their baseball people do their work. The owners never allowed that. The front office of the Texas Rangers is not nearly as good as the Rays or the Astros or the Cubs was under Theo. So the real problem, <laughs> you know what the real problem is. It's the real problem for 27 of the teams. We all think we're smarter than we are. And then it ends up costing us. So what are the Rangers going to do now? Well, I've got a prediction. And I've got another way to see. The manager who's their interim manager will not be their permanent manager. The Texas Rangers are going to hire a minority candidate. Look for Joey Espada, who is one of our coaches. I've known him for many, many years. He is going to manage in the big leagues in 2023. There is zero doubt in my mind. And I believe the fit for him will be in Texas. He's a really good infield coach, a really good manager. He's been a really good bench coach. And there is a need, and the commissioner will speak to Texas about this. There is a need for more minority managers. And it is time for Espada to get his chance. Therefore, wait to see the Rangers hire minority candidate. A double bonus, I think it'll be Joey Espada who will manage in 23. We did not even get to Ben Simmons, which I wanted to get to. I may bring that up tomorrow because he and the Sixers reached a settlement. And I want to talk to you about how that settlement would happen because it's just business. We're out of time.
This is nothing personal.